Hi, it's Karen here. And before we begin, I want to share an opportunity for you to help us give back. After my own cancer diagnosis, I realized the importance of having a helpful and simple resource. That's why I wrote Happiness Through Hardship, a guide and journal for cancer patients, their caregivers, and friends. Like a good friend, this book provides practical tips and resources, as well as a few stories providing hope. Now, we've organized a Donate a Book fundraiser and would be so grateful for your support. You can donate on prettywellness.com backslash book or Venmo at C-A-R-Y-N dash Sullivan dash three. For each $15 donated, one book will be donated to a cancer center. And as I do with all books sold, half the proceeds go to the Cancer Couch Foundation, where 100% of the donations are matched and fund metastatic breast cancer research. Again, we would be so grateful for your support. You can donate by sending a Venmo at my name dash three, which is C-A-R-Y-N dash S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N dash three. Thanks again for your support. Let's begin. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, Happiness Through Hardship, a guide for cancer patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. If you've liked these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. Or reach out to us at Pretty Wellness on Instagram. We love connecting and sharing healthy lifestyle resources. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to welcome today's guest, Sandrine Etienne. Sandrine is a licensed social worker who has been in the healthcare industry for over a decade. She knows all about the misguided information that people can get when it comes to healthcare, especially while dealing with an illness. Sandrine knows how the financial stress mixed with the emotional toll that an illness can have can be completely overbearing. Now, with the help of her company, Misguided Notions, and her podcast, Care Talkers, she's able to help relieve some of this burden that people experience and is here today to talk about how we can all navigate healthcare, patient advocacy, and wrap our head around these very confusing topics. Welcome, Sandrine. I am so honored that you are here to share your wisdom with us today. I'm honored that you even asked me to do this. I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, from one podcast host to another. It is so fun to like, we're talking on the phone about topics that are meaningful. And that is, 
is what I think is, is so important. A lot of people have come to me, you know, I don't know where they found me on Pretty Wellness. Was it because of the healthy lifestyle? Was it because I'm a cancer survivor? Was it because my mantra really is, how can I find happiness through hardship? But hardship is different to everybody else. Even if they're going through cancer, their hardship might be different. Or even if they're going through chronic illness or illness of a parent or a friend or even just stress, right? Life is just tough sometimes. And so when hardship hits, having to be able to navigate, especially the healthcare system, can be really trying. So I would love for you first to open up and tell us a little bit about why did you decide to be a social worker and and do what you're doing today? So I basically got into the field because I originally wanted to be a psychologist. And then um, at Real Talk, I realized that it was a lot of schooling involved. And personally, I don't know about the listeners and yourself, Karen, but I didn't like school per se. <laughs> um, I just kind of wanted to get it over with and just like, you know, get, get into my career path and just do what I had to do. And so I, I, was, I wanted to be in the helping profession and I liked the idea of talking to people on a regular basis and just helping them and supporting them. And then I was friendly with a social worker um, through a nursing home that I was working at at the time. And I was like, wait a minute, why not social work? And then I just, that's how I decided on my profession. And then a few years later, um, I got into my grad program and they happened to have a, um, a way that you could major, like it isn't a major, specialization, I should say, specialization in healthcare. And that was when I decided that my particular area would be healthcare because I just love healthcare. And I have now been in my current position for the past 15 or so years. And I basically go out in the community and I do visits and I meet one-on-one with patients and their family members that are dealing with chronic and debilitating illness. Wow. I mean, that's, it's a powerful story and the work you do I mean, as somebody who, you know, has not only been touched by illness and has had family members as well, I know that having somebody that goes out in the community to help out is huge. And I would love for you to share a little bit about, I guess, some of those experiences and how it's been... I don't want to say successful, like success stories is, is something I think I, with my business background, I'm always looking for, but, um, you know, I guess for, uh, maybe I'll start with saying I worked with a social worker when we couldn't decide whether or not we wanted to tell our then five-year-old whether I had cancer. Mm. I had everybody giving me opinions about what to do or not do and whether he was going to know or not know and what was the right or wrong thing to do. And I was really torn, as was my husband. We were in this together. And so I, I actually reached out to an organization called Cancer Care, and they have um, social workers by phone. And so that's who I worked with, and it was life-changing for me. It actually took a huge burden off my chest because they helped me navigate, ask me some of the right questions, things I never really thought to ask. And then ultimately, I made a decision that I, to this day, am very, very proud and happy with. So- 
I guess there's a success story I was going to ask you for, but is there <laughs> anything that through your profession that you, that has been, uh, I, I guess, really life-changing for you? So you mentioned Cancer Care, which I'm very well aware of uh, that organization. I absolutely love them. And hats off to you for reaching out because that is where my big, my big thing is to assist people with being their own best advocate as well as empowering them. And in healthcare, you know, it's so confusing and it's just so overwhelming, especially like you know, navigating a new diagnosis diagnosis, and just trying to wrap your head around that and then having to deal with the nuances of the in and outs of going to doctor's appointments, as you mentioned, for yourself with cancer, having to, you know, go through treatments and trying to figure all of that. And it's so much and so stressful that having a person like me go in and like we kind of we come up with some sort of a plan or we have a way of just kind of like talking through things. Okay, what is most important to you right now? What are some of the things that we can prioritize? And these are some of the things that we do. So when I say success stories, I think, I'm sorry, when you mentioned success stories, in my mind, I can see, I can say that being able to have that plan where we just plan or or lay things out and where things kind of make sense where it's not so like jumbled anymore I think that is where the success story comes in well and I love that because like you mentioned when you get hit with a diagnosis I would think any diagnosis I can only speak for myself but I got hit with cancer three months after my wedding and I was 31 years old so it came out of left field I had no family history I really felt so young and I did not know what to do. I think there are some hospitals that have better programs or better nurses than others. And I'm grateful for the staff at the hospital where I was diagnosed that gave me some information, but they couldn't be there to hold my hand and help me out, figure out benefits. And there are so many resources that are out there. Sometimes it's, kind of stressful to figure out I don't even know what I need I don't even know what's going to happen next and so I'd like to ask you what are your when someone's diagnosed with any illness it doesn't have to be cancer but something new that they're dealing with a multitude of doctors can you give us some advice on how they can navigate the healthcare system my big thing is you have to have a mouthpiece and that is basically someone that you trust who can be your person. I don't know if you have any Grey's Anatomy stands, but you know, the Meredith to Christina Yang, like that kind of a person in your life. It could be a friend, a family member, you know, a colleague, someone that you find could be helpful and resourceful to be that person because yourself as a person going through the illness, whatever it is, I think with the overwhelm and the stress of it all, it could be too much. And then adding the nuances, as I mentioned before, of healthcare and having to make appointments and having to deal with insurance related issues, authorizations, approvals, and oh my goodness, like that, that's like, it's a lot. <laughs> so I, I do feel that for me, I'm always big on asking my clients, like, look, 
who is that person? Who is that point person that we can lean on or talk to that can navigate or at least support you through this and be that person to be your, your like, I mean, it could be like a healthcare proxy type of person. You could call that, I'm sorry, you could call that person your proxy or your designated representative that someone just takes some of that burden off. I think it's very helpful. Well, and I will say on that note, I can speak from being a recovering perfectionist that it's hard to ask for help, but I encourage you if you've been hit by something hard, no matter what that is, to ask for help. Figure out how to do it because even as you were talking, Sandrine, I was thinking like, oh, I probably thought in my head that I could take all the notes at my doctor's appointments or I could call insurance and figure this out or I could look into the resources of what I should be eating or what I should be doing or what wig I should get or what lymphedema sleeve. There are all sorts of to-dos when you've got a new diagnosis and being able to ask others for help. In fact, we did a podcast episode on this fairly recently about how to ask for help and also laughing at ourselves knowing that it can be hard. So hopefully, you know, people can relate. But I will say when I was able to delegate to people that I knew it was their strength. My sister's a researcher. And so there were questions I had in my mind about things. I didn't want to go to the internet. But I knew my sister could navigate better than I could. And if she came across some like scary information, it'd be easier on her than me. So that's what I asked her to do for me. I did have my husband come to almost every appointment with me. And then as time went on, I made sure I have a wonderful close friend named Jackie, who is an amazing, amazing patient advocate. She runs circles around. I mean, she brings a different support than my husband does. She, when I say run circles, she literally would run circles in the hospital, hunting Oops. down people if I needed it. My husband's style is very different than that. And I love him for the support he would give. But when it came down to finding a doctor and getting the answers and getting the answers right then, she would be somebody that would be, um, you know, a different type of patient advocate that I felt worked for me. And I think that's where you, you can have like those different roles. I, I say, why not? You know, if you can have that person to deal with the financial stuff or the insurance stuff or have that other person to deal with asking the doctor specific questions and, and, or, you know, certain things of your medical team, I think that that's okay. And I, and I think that is a big barrier that a lot of people don't like to do, which is asking for help. But I personally, in my experience, it really makes a world of a difference. I agree with you. I want to jump through the microphone and give you a big hug because I think it's so important to let other people help. It makes them feel good too. Absolutely. So what else can you share with us that comes from we're sitting here like picking your brain knowing you have so much to offer in this space? I love for people to, when you sit down with your medical team, whoever they may be, a big tip that I find helpful is, you know, always having a pen and paper. I know it maybe sounds a little silly, but I, I just, my, I, myself, you know, I've gone through my own health issues and I will literally sit down. The doctor will talk to me sometimes and I'll say, wait, can you hold on a second? I just want to write this down. I think that could be so valuable because you 
maybe won't forget something or maybe like, you know, you could reference something that your provider said to you later on or when you're trying to explain something, it's just so easier, much easier to have like a point of reference, so to speak. I'm not sure if that's your experience, Karen, but I do feel that that's very helpful and not something that a lot of people necessarily think of. And like even just like if I have a patient of mine who's, uh, you know, overwhelmed about seeing a new provider, I'll say, okay, I know you're overwhelmed about seeing that provider, but why not have a list of questions that you want to ask, maybe pick three questions that you want to ask the provider and write them down. And then when you go to your appointment, you know, don't just say to the doctor, look, I have all these questions to ask you. No, tell the person who's checking you in, like, look, I really would love to have a few minutes with Dr. So-and-so. And if you could just let him or her know that I'd like to have have some time for some questions because I find that these appointments, they go really quickly. <laughs> Before you know it, you're like out. So I think just having that ability to have that time, I think is very helpful. And letting the, the provider know in advance, I really do feel is also another bonus. Well, so I'll tell you in my book, Happiness Through Hardship, I actually have in one of the chapters, I have a list, a long list of questions that you can ask doctors. Of course, in my situation, it says it relates to, to cancer or in the situation of the book. But um, in the back of the book, I actually have note-taking pages because how many times do you have questions in your – and it's wonderful to, if you have a pad and pen to, to do it there. But then sometimes you – may misplace your notes, right? Or you change purses and you, you know, <laughs> accidentally your kid takes it and puts a piece of gum in it or something, right? <laughs> like things happen. And I, I, I agree with you. I think asking questions and something you said that I really never thought of and I think is brilliant is when you check in or, you know, even when you book the appointment, let them know that you have questions because then, you know, sometimes doctors do fall behind and I think we've all been to appointments, some where we get undivided attention and other times where they might be rushing through. But that is just a gentle reminder that you've put, you know, some time and effort in planning and that you've got some questions that you really need answered. Absolutely. So thank you. That is, um, you know, another gem of wisdom that we'll take. So, um, so is there anything else that you would want to share as it comes to navigating healthcare or being a patient advocate? I'm trying to think based on the questions that I get asked the most. I think that's <laughs> Another, great yeah, because obviously okay. that's useful. If these are the questions you're asked the most, yeah. then a lot of people must be thinking them. And maybe the listeners right now, as they're trying to figure out how to navigate, they might. Right, right, right. So insurance, insurance comes up a lot. Like, oh my goodness. And I feel like health insurance, there's just no like easy way to understand it because it's so confusing. Like what's approved, what's not approved. Is, is this authorized? Is this not authorized? I always find that if you're like super confused about your particular plan or, um, you know, your benefits, I do tell people, you know, you call, call your insurance provider, see how helpful that can be. Sometimes it's not so helpful, but I do find that if you're dealing with a specific illness, let's say, like, I know we were talking about cancer, so I'm going to say cancer. Um, like if you go, if you, if you 
if, if you reference a uh, support like cancer care, for example, you can go to their website and you can, um, you know, or call them, sorry. Um, and, you know, they have counselors that can speak with you, so, social workers, oncology social workers that can actually speak with you. But also, too, you may even find through their database some sort of advocacy program or like some sort of an advocate so to speak, or something where you can get like specific information, um, you know, or like specific things that maybe you might, that might, that might pertain to your illness, if that makes sense. Does that make sense, Karen? I'm yeah. Sorry. Oh, I totally. Like I tangent. Okay. <laughs> no, I think to your point, I think insurance is a question I can imagine it being asked a lot and it's frustrating to be waiting for an hour and then not sure if you get your, your questions answered. Mm-hmm. So to reach out to, again, cancer care, speak to a social worker who could connect you to one of their advocacy teams, like that I think is, I mean, is really helpful. I think sometimes the doctor's offices too, don't be afraid to ask your doctors. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my PET scans get turned down uh, and I'm like, okay, but there's more cancer coming up. Why is this being turned down? And sometimes treatments might be turned down for, I don't even know the reason, but it just takes a, a doctor or a nurse practitioner to make another call to, put, you know, put in another statement. And, you know, I don't understand the back end of it all. That's not my role to do that. But, uh, you know, being kind and reaching out again and, and asking the doctor to reach out on your behalf, knowing that you need whatever the said screening is or treatment Sometimes they will overturn. More often than not, I think they overturn some of their decisions. Yeah, and I, that's why I feel like, too, when you speak with someone like a representative for cancer care or something, they might be um, you know, aware of some sort of program or something where you can get the, like a resource that you need or something. Like even as we're talking, Karen, I'm thinking about like medications. That's another big one for people. I always tell people like if you get a denial about a medication, talk to your pharmacist because they have so much insight that people don't realize. People, I feel like they're the most underutilized resource that exists. <laughs> and sometimes it's literally just a some um, something that the doctor maybe didn't write something properly with the prescription or something for, and it was submitted to the insurance incorrectly. They have insight to that. And then they can tell you what it is that you need to tell the doctor to do. And the pharmacist, depending on the pharmacy, they, they'll even reach out for you. But I just think asking the pharmacist themselves, like if you're having a medication problem, like, hey, what's the problem? What exactly is the issue? And you can find out so much information based on that alone. So again, and, and you know, again, just going back to the whole idea of having a mouthpiece, I think that's why all of this is so important, like having a per- another person deal with this for you, because emotionally, just uh, imagine just being hit with an illness and not knowing where to turn and just having to deal with all this stuff. It's too much. So this is where your mouthpiece can be very helpful as well. Well, I, I mean, what you're just saying, even talking to the pharmacist, anybody can do that. Like they don't have to have it might be general. And I'll tell you, yep. to your point, I've had a pharmacist help me on two levels. My son is a, mm-hmm. has a severe peanut allergy. So, you know, years ago when there was all those issues with EpiPens and the Avicues were, you know, off the market, 
I was able to get some sort of coupon from the pharmacist, so I got a few extras. I don't know if they were for free or, or if, if the company paid for it, but nonetheless, uh, one, I got them. They were hard to get, and two, I didn't have to take money out of my pocket. Perhaps it came out of insurance. I don't remember. Like, I think that's huge. The other thing is, is I've seen that my chemotherapy drug that sometimes it's, I mean, it, it's wildly expensive if you look at what insurance says it costs. And I've seen, it's a Pfizer chemo pill. I have seen Pfizer promote that if you've got issues, you know, paying for this, reach out to us. Mm-hmm. We've got programs. Now, yep. not everybody may realize that, but the pharmacist could. Yeah. And exactly. so, you know, I think that that's really good information. So, so you said you've been a social worker for what, 15 years? Well, I've been a social worker longer than that. <laughs> I've just been in uh, doing the, my current role has been for about 15 years. All right. So you have for many moons, you've been in the industry. Now, yeah. when did Misguided Notions start your own company? Oh, okay. So I want to say back in, let me see, like, Maybe about three or four years ago, um, maybe four years ago, I had this idea um, just because in my conversations with folks, people that I work with, even friends, colleagues, there's just so much misinformation in healthcare that happens and there's no place or there's limited resources or information that people can lean on or uh, get access to specific things that they're looking into with regard to healthcare. So I decided I needed to create some sort of a database um, in order to do that and to be that that place <laughs> for people. And I feel like I'm still a work in progress myself, but um, I do provide free resources on my website. Um, I do have resources that I find that are helpful. People have found it very helpful as well. And that is where I came up with the idea of having my website, misguidednotions.com, so that people can literally look for specific, you know, healthcare stuff that they might be in, in having questions about, like disability or health insurance, Medicare, um, you know, things like that, and that they can have like some sort of information or guidance, so to speak. Well, and, <laughs> and sometimes I will say that when I, you know, I when I've been touched by overwhelm, Having another conversation or another touch point, you know, reading something that connects with what I'm going through is really helpful in in digesting like what my next steps would be. And so I can see this being an incredible resource in for so many different backgrounds, right? Which I think yeah. is what you intended to do. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um, have one particular area that I focus on and it's healthcare because I work with like I I've been I've pretty much been been around like many many different illnesses like it's not just cancer you know there's just so many other illnesses um and so I I really do you know hope that people can find some of the information helpful because it's just, you know, as we were saying before, the overwhelm is just a lot when it comes to healthcare and just having to deal with the illness in itself is a lot. Now, can you share with us, obviously having worked with so many people that have been touched by hardship and you yourself, I'm sure at some point in your life went through hard times. Mm -hmm. This podcast is happiness through hardship. Are there, you know, are there any kind of common themes that you saw with, with, 
what people were going through and what might have brought them a little joy? Or is there something specific that you can say from your own experience that, you know, how were you or they able to find a little bit of happiness during their hardship? Hmm, that's a really good one. I I want to say, because, you know, going in, in line with what we're talking about, asking for help, you know, that is something that a lot of people struggle with, um, the idea of asking for help. And in asking for help, um, you know, you'd be so surprised how many people that have gone through something similar or maybe have, like, maybe they personally haven't gone through it, but they might know someone that kind of went through something. And the outpouring support and love that folks get when they identify with someone else that has gone through something similar or someone that can kind of relate, that in itself, the emotional, um, like the emotional feeling that that gives for a person, I would say that is where that happiness comes in. And I know it sounds, it sounds weird, but it's because I don't mean to say that illness makes you happy, but to find someone that can actually relate to you on that level where you're not feeling so isolated, feeling so alone, I think that is in itself gives that person, gives someone that ability to feel that happiness. That's so beautifully said. And it got me thinking of one of my closest friends in life, Ellie. And Ellie and I grew up together. She was a grade older. And you know how it was back then. Like, they're a year older. You're younger. You're not really close friends <laughs> with them. I always looked up to her. She was really, she's a really talented artist. And she's really pretty. And she had a ton of friends. But we weren't really that close. And we liked each other, right? And But I knew, as it turns out, she ended up marrying a guy in my grade, um, Mike, who's awesome. And I was was pretty good friends with him as a kid. And so fast forward, I had had my first diagnosis of cancer, and a few years later, it got back to me that she had cancer. Now, mind you, I was diagnosed at 31, and it was only a few years, so getting breast cancer in your 30s, you're still very young. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard she was diagnosed, like, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to reach out or not, because it's just that whole awkward thing, like, and we were friends, and we liked each other, but weren't that good of friends, and I just took a risk, because I knew what it was like, to your point, I didn't know where to go in the beginning because it came out of left field and I didn't know anybody but my like mom's friends and my friend's mom's friends like that were a lot older. So I didn't have somebody to relate or to share the stories, the good and the bad with. And so I reached out to Mike and I, you know, sent him just what I, I think was a heartfelt note about how much I cared about him and her. And, and if she, I don't know, she'd want to talk to me, but I was here and the amazing response I got from both of them. And now, I mean, it's been like, I think 10 years since then. She's one of my closest friends, obviously. Like this is a success story. But we were able to connect going through something so similar and also like learn from each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, for, for me, the cancer came back. And so I then went back to her. I'm like, okay, you had this happen what are you doing for this? And so we became this huge resource. And mm. so I think that is something, I mean, that made me happy. I would like to think I can speak for her and say it made her happy. And for those who are listening out there, if you're going through any hardship, it doesn't, it could be, there's so much community out there online that may start out as kind of like group 
community, but then you connect with that one person and it, you know, begins the budding of a new friendship. Absolutely. I love, I love, love, love that. So I want to say I am really grateful that you and I connected. See, we haven't even met, even though we are, you know, probably within an hour's drive from each other, you being New York, me being Connecticut. But it's, you know, the beautiful Instagram brings community out there. And you and I connected through social media. And I thought you would be awesome to have on this podcast. And, And lucky for us, you were able to make time for us. And I'm really grateful. And I'm hoping that you would play what I call the grateful game. And it's something that I close out all of our episodes with. Absolutely. So for those who are new to me, the grateful game is a mindful gratitude practice that I play most nights before bed with my son. Now, this is something that depending on the age of your children or your family, you can play with whoever is willing to do it with you. Just designate a certain amount of time talk about what you're grateful for and why. And I encourage you, especially as this becomes hopefully a practice, that you talk about that day in itself. Not only because I'm a parent and I want to know and dig deep about what's going on with my kid's Mm -hmm. day, like that's helpful, but more so because what I have found is the fact that I'm talking about what goes on in that day, I am then looking throughout my day at things that bring a smile to my face at things that I am grateful for. And does this change my life incredibly? Mm. You know, I could probably argue either way on this. (laughs) It hasn't cured my cancer, but it has helped me look for positivity all around me. And I think when you're going through hardship, that is a good way to try and put one foot in front of the other, because oftentimes you have a choice and many times you want to move forward. And so this gratitude game has been a a small way that we've been able to do that. So I will kick it off talking about what I'm grateful for and why, and I will give us each a minute. So uh, today, what I'm grateful for, I am surely going to tell my son that as we are recording in studio this episode, my little Cavapoo has been sitting on my lap, all 15 pounds of him, which actually is pretty light, but feels quite heavy on my legs right now, but he hasn't barked once. Now that I say that, he probably will. But um, I'm really grateful. I mean, it's it's kind of nice because it's dreary outside and I've got like his warm comfort on me and I'm like rubbing his little belly. So he's happy and I'm happy and we're having this wonderful conversation. So I'm grateful for him for that. I am grateful for, um, for a friend of mine, and I guess 24 hours yesterday, that I was going to drive part of carpool and she called me up and she said, you know what, why don't I, you you know, so-and-so drove both ways last week, why don't I drive both ways? Which gave me the opportunity to have a really nice happy hour with a dear, dear, dear friend of mine that we hadn't seen each other for a while. And so I wasn't watching the time, I was able to be really present, and she's been somebody who's been important to me for many years. So I'm grateful for that. So I'm going to toss it to you. All right. Well, I am grateful as a new mom that my son woke up this morning, I want to say about 7.30. Oh, that's late. Yes. And yeah, he, he actually wakes up pretty late. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is, but my son, right now he's four months. Um, So Gavin woke up at 7.30 and he didn't cry. He was just happy-go-lucky in his crib, <sighs> just playing 
living his best only child life. Yep. I know how that goes. <laughs> 13 years of it. Awesome. So it was like amazing. And then, um, about not, what was it? Uh, what time was it? I went, Oh, it was about 10 o'clock or so, you know, after I fed him, you know, he, um, was super chill. Um, he sat down, you know, in his little corner of the couch. We did that for the first time with no pillows. So that was pretty cool. I'm grateful for that. Um, and he was just happy go lucky the whole time. And so much so that I was able to have my cup of coffee and we chatted, like I was just talking to him about how my day was going to go and how I was so excited to do the pretty, um, to be on the podcast and that I was going to be able to connect with Karen. And I also was just like, just chatting to him. I I don't know. Just, I, I just love the fact that like, I can just talk to him and like, he just responds by smiling and talking baby talk, whatever he's saying. I don't know, but he is excited. Oh my gosh. You win, you win, you win. And you know, again, it doesn't matter who wins because we both win. Just like thinking about the beauty in our lives makes us winning winners in my book. But I remember those early stages when they just started (laughs) smiling and it's like the best thing ever. Oh my goodness. And and I'll tell you for my son who looks, and I think you and I were talking about this before we got on the podcast, like my son looks just like his father. And in so many ways, he's just like his father. But the one thing he is like me and it's, um, you know, I'm glad the kids, you know, everybody needs to wear masks. It's what's safe. Uh, but you know, his new teachers, as he went transitioned to a new school during the pandemic, because he went into middle school, mm-hmm. like they don't get to see the kids smile. And my kid is like always smiling. And that's kind of oh. me. I just like look at the world and like, and I just smile. I want to smile. And, mm. and, and that is one thing that he got for me. And so I'm, I'm, oh. I'm grateful for that too. Oh, so, I'm the same way. I love it. Oh my goodness. Which is probably why we connected, <laughs> right? We're getting all sappy here. But, but anyway, before we go, can you tell the listeners how they can find you and follow you, both the company, your, your social media and the podcast? Sure. Okay. So I am uh, Misguided Notions. That's uh, misguidednotions.com. That's M-I-S-S-G-U-I-D-E-D notions.com. And I'm also on Instagram, um, on social media. So I do, I, I, I try to, to post resources on there as much as possible. Mom life has, has, I don't know. It, it, it's it, things are very different. It's okay. <laughs> the resources are, are like likely evergreen, and so if they're there, yes. they're there. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And I do, I do have a new podcast coming out called Care Talkers with my friend Anita, and she is a caregiver and she is also a comedian, and we are basically bringing on experts in health and and uh, fi- in the health and financial space that are talking about their particular experiences and offering advice to our listeners. And we really think it's going to be super special and we're really excited to have this come together because we've been doing this. We've been recording for two years now. Oh my gosh. Awesome. (laughs) That is awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. You provided a, a lot of light and whether it's light because you're just so cheerful or it's light because they're wonderful resources, 
uh, I'm, I'm lucky that you came on and so are all the listeners. So, and for the listeners, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for spending your time with us. I know that we're all busy in life. And so I, I hope that you've gotten something out of the podcast, hopefully, uh, you know, a little bit of light, a little bit of love, a little bit of resources to help you put one foot in front of the other and know that there is hope that you can find a little bit of joy during whatever journey you're going through in life. So have a wonderful day, everyone, and bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you could do me a favor and take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe, honestly, you leaving a review really does help us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And if you tell your friends about us because you love us, they might as well. So let us know your thoughts. Please connect with us directly. We have a ton of fun on Instagram at Pretty Wellness and would love hearing from you. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you so much happiness and great health. Bye for now.